You are listening to The Afternoon Magazine on WILL AM 580. I'm Craig Cohen. Thanks so much for being with us. From time to time, Illinois Public Media organizes or participates in other organizations' community conversations. These are opportunities to discuss a wide range of issues and ideas, to hear what various communities care about, and ideally, for those of us in the news business, to inform the stories we ought to tell and the way we ought to tell them. Such was the case last week. Last Thursday, Illinois Public Media's Sean Powers attended a community conversation in Urbana that was organized by the Champaign-Urbana Area Project, the Illinois Balanced and Restorative Justice Project, Project, the Access Initiative, and the Champaign County NAACP. Then on Friday, Sean and Jim Meadows attended a community conversation in Danville organized by Vermilion Advantage. To tell us more about these conversations, Jim Meadows and Sean Powers joins us. They both join us now. Gentlemen, welcome to the Afternoon Magazine. Thank Hello. you. Glad to have you with us. And let's begin with Friday's community conversation in Danville. Jim, tell us where you went and, and who you spoke with. Well, Craig, we spoke with members of Leadership Tomorrow, and this is a group of young professionals organized by Vermilion Advantage. They're officials with uh, um, around Vermilion County and Danville, from industry to banks to the media, officials from the healthcare, education, and local government sectors. They were holding an all-day workshop at Danville Area Community College, and they kindly spoke with us during their lunch hour. And then, Sean, what sorts of topics did you discuss with them? Well, I guess plainly put, we, we talked about what it means to call a community home, um, how, they, how they view Danville, where they would like to see this community going for the next generation. Um, you know, some of the people talked about uh, the important sense of security they feel living in Danville, uh, the friendliness. Uh, but there is also concern that there just isn't enough growth, and that's um, having a ripple effect uh, in terms of attracting enough people to move to Danville, really bringing in the next generation. Uh, we heard a little bit about Danville's history, how it's evolved over the years in the 1960s and 70s. There were plenty of jobs in the community at large industrial companies. Uh, it was really these sort of places where you could work for the same company all your life, um, 9 to 5, but really, by the mid-1970s, those companies started to leave. Um, and the community, as one person put it, went into hibernation. And they kind of had this mindset that wasn't going to fit into the future. And in some ways, that mindset hasn't gone away, and there's some frustration over that. Uh, and, uh, Jim, what, what, if anything, did you learn about Danville from this conversation? Well, I learned about a deep attachment that many of the participants have to their communities, whether it's Danville or Hopeston or Catlin or any of the smaller towns in Vermilion County, and whether the people in the group were natives or transplants, they have definite reasons for being here and hopes for improvement and growth for their community in the future. And they're mindful of what Vermilion County has lost over the last few jobs with the closing of, of so many industries and also related businesses that were made possible by by those jobs and that population. And uh, they're also concerned that uh, these sort of problems existing for so many years can lead to a defeatist attitude that sometimes frustrates efforts to bounce back. But they also cited particular efforts transcending such problems from uh, employers that uh, put together their own in-house job training when they were finding difficulties in attracting qualified job applicants to uh, to groups devoted to specific projects like uh, like the nonprofit group now working on the renovation of Danville's Fisher Theater. Uh, you passed along some notes from the meeting, Sean, and, and one of the things that struck me was this sense that, at least among the attendees of this particular conversation, there was this sense of less diversity in Danville 
uh, especially compared to champagne, uh, and less in general to, to do or to see. Uh, there was somebody who, who raised that there was sort of a lack of healthy restaurants in the region, and there was somebody else who talked about how housing was limited. Uh, still another said that, that the community was a work in progress. What sorts of ideas are sparked for you based off of comments like that? Sure. Well, you know, going off of the issue of, and I'm, the reason I'm bringing this topic up is because about a year ago I went to Danville and did a story um, looking at uh, – Danville's Northeast Elementary Magnet School, where there's this really large health and wellness initiative there. And so we did hear from people who said that they would like to have more of those fresh, healthy, organic um, uh, food restaurants, uh, grocery stores, places that really, um, you know, bring bring to home that sense of um, nutrition, health and wellness. And, um, you know, for me, childhood obesity is definitely running rampant in this country. And as I mentioned, Danville's nor- uh, Northeast Elementary Magnet School is doing some great work to combat that. But I would imagine if you're not a student in Danville, um, things like food insecurity could be a real big issue. And so that would be something to potentially explore. And the other thing that Jim mentioned, um, there is this talk about the Fisher Theater, the renovation. Um, people we spoke to said there is a real passion for the arts in Danville. And so I think down the road, um, you know, this theater is supposed to be open about 2014, 2015. We, I think, would want to pay attention to that and um, see how it brings the community together if it um, addresses issues like diversity. Jim, are there some other ideas that that occur to you of stories you might like to cover from Danville based off of this conversation? Well, one question that came to me as we were hearing about what uh, Vermilion County has lost and what they're now trying to regain is what are the underlying conditions that need to come together to foster commerce or culture or both in a community? And, you know, what exactly that is, since you don't expect to just for these things to happen spontaneously, the right sort of conditions, the right sort of economic conditions have to be uh, uh, have to be existing in a community for this to work. And and. I would hope that our coverage of of what's going on in Vermilion County and Danville can reflect those efforts and take take a deeper look at at what's needed to bring about that sort of success. You know, we're we're in an interesting environment in that our newsroom, of course, is located in Urbana on the campus of the University of Illinois. And, and as such, you know, and we talk about this during news meetings every day, we have this tendency to think about, well, what's happening in Champaign-Urbana, but we're not we try to be cognizant of what's happening in Danville and Decatur and lots of other communities in central Illinois and western Indiana. Do you feel like attending a conversation like this uh, gives you an opportunity to, to gain a little bit better perspective about what's happening outside of your hometown? Oh, absolutely. I just wish I was out there more. And that's always the problem when you're in a newsroom and, and facing and, and facing ongoing deadlines. It's always It's always easy to to pick up the phone and talk to the people you've talked to so far or talk to the phone numbers and contacts that you can find out about. But um, being able being able to uh, meet people and talk to them for the first time and then follow up on that is uh, where I hope we can uh, bring, uh, lis- bring listeners and our audiences uh, more about the communities they live in. And really what we just need to do is, the, get, is to make the opportunities to, to, to meet even more people. And if I may, um, just to remind listeners, we ran a series um, not that long ago called uh, Life on Route 150, and basically we traveled to different towns along Route 150. And some of those stories, um, and these were just basically snapshots of community life along Route 150, 
Um, some of those stories uh, included people we met from community conversations. So really building these contacts, it, it, it brings home um, this idea of community for us as an organization, but also um, for us as um, you know, part of a lo- much larger society. Jim, of course, our goal is to do a lot of these conversations, and we've engaged in a number uh, over the course of the last year leading up to uh, the election season. We were talking with a lot of different uh, groups about, you know, what the most issue, most important issues leading up to the election. Um, tell, tell me a little bit about just sort of the, the basic makeup of the group that was there. How many people were there and what what were were you getting this sense of there's sort of prevailing overall attitudes about Danville and Vermilion County from this group, or was it uh, there were lots of different opinions about what's important? I, I think there was a mix there. This was mostly people from the business sector, including a lot from the industrial parts, because uh, even even despite the laments about industries that have closed in Danville, there's still uh, a good share of manufacturing going on in the community. At the same time, there were also uh, smaller businesses. Some of the sort of businesses might be those that do work in support of of larger ones. Uh, they both need each other uh, in, in, in order to, to exist. At the same time, we were also talking to people in education. In uh, the news media, we were put, uh, there was someone there from... Um, from the local uh, radio broadcasting group, uh, from local hospitals and and, and, and local government. Uh, now, Sean, on Thursday night, you attended a, a different sort of community conversation. Tell us about that, who organized it, and what, what you took away from it. And, you know, different is the key word there. I mean, this was not something that we or helped organize. I was there as a visitor. Um, so this was at the Urbana Neighborhood Community Center. And this is something that um, is – this was organized by several different groups, um, including the Champaign-Urbana Area Project, the Illinois Balance and um, Restorative uh, Justice Project, and the Champaign County NAACP. And they, they've been organizing what are also called community conversations. They do, I think, about th- uh, three or four a year and um, around different topics. This one in particular uh, last Thursday was about juvenile justice issues. So <clears throat> they had <clears> – <throat> They had uh, members of a uh, state commission known as the Illinois Juvenile Justice Commission. They were there to talk about some of the issues that they identified in a report uh, related to juvenile justice issues. So they basically said statewide about 70 percent of the youth who leave the Illinois Department of Juvenile Justice um, facility are eventually uh, reincarcerated within three years. Commissioners were basically um, trying to outline some points that um, the state and not just the state, but local communities um, can do things they could do to really address um, uh, that issue, but also help um, prepare some of these young people for the real world, getting a job, getting an education, um, not getting re- uh, reincarcerated. So um, one of the things that w- was talked about, um, and there were a few things that were talked about, but one of the key issues they they mentioned was um, – when in Illinois, when you are on parole, you have to report to a parole officer, mm-hmm. whether you're an adult or whether you're a young person. And um, that may not be true in every every state. But um, what is what is going on right now um, in Cook County? And they kind of focused on this pilot program. They have uh, what are known as um, th- these uh, essentially these aftercare specialists who um, are people who know how to work with youth, who have experience working with um, young people who have been incarcerated and who have more direct dialogue. Unfortunately, with parole officers, you can't actually call that parole officer, get their cell phone number and have a conversation. There are just too many people. Too many people. And 
the way it works is you leave a message for the parole officer. Right. It could take weeks sometimes for that person to call you back. If you're a young person and you have a family, you are getting a job, you need to let that person, that parole officer, know about changes in your lifestyle. That can be challenging. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you there just because I can already hear there are probably stories and ideas bubbling in your head for that's how right. to approach this going forward, and that's great. Uh, that's sort of the purpose of these conversations, and uh, so uh, we will of course follow up as we go along here. But I want to say quickly thank you to Illinois Public Media's Sean Powers and Jim Meadows. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Craig. Thanks.